1: You rescue me so I can stay and say, I am a child of God. You split the sea, you split, you split the sea so I can walk right through it. My feet are drowned in
0: perfect love. I've thought it appropriate to begin this week, I think Thanksgiving's Thursday and We all know the story about Indians and Americans and how they had a big, fun dinner. I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. But I think it is um, an uh, appropriate time for us to practice the discipline of gratitude. And so I thought it would be really neat if we could start this service um, with a posture of gratitude. And so I want you guys to take 10 seconds and think, what am I thankful for? All right, let's hear some of them. If you'll yell it out. New
1: <laughs> Life, health.
0: All right, if you'll stand with your heart in a posture of gratitude today. And think about what does that look like to go into worship and community with a heart of gratitude, right? Um, It totally changes the way we approach this time. Um, So we are going to read a scripture together. Psalm 91 through 8. I'm going to read from here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God, I always um, sense the Psalms as this wrestling with who the psalmist knows you are at a gut level and the discrepancy of what they feel and see in the world around them. And so, God, we often come to this place with the same wrestling. In one hand, we believe you are good, and we are grateful. In the other hand, we are negotiating the evil and the hurt and the trials and the suffering we experience. And so, give us peace to live in the both and. That you are good, and we are grateful even though there is suffering. And Lord, let today, even as the light breaks through into this room, be a sweet reminder of the small and big ways you break into our life with goodness and beauty and light. And let us not miss that light because we are so focused on the dark and the suffering. Let us look to the light. Let us lift our faces to you that your countenance might shine upon us. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, we thank you for joy. We thank you uh, for the moments that we can be still and watch you work, and then we can step into the joy of the victory. So thank you for that. Thank you for family. Thank you for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: How's everybody doing? Okay. All right. So we've been preaching through Mark, and um, today I'm going to be preaching for Mark chapter 11. And last week, just for a quick reminder, I preached about the donkey passage where Jesus tells his disciples to go and get a donkey that had been prepared beforehand. He shows up. They show up and get the donkey. He rides into town on a donkey, of course, creating a major um, frenzy and also really painting a picture of what he's going to be like. He was coming on a donkey. It was a messenger of peace. So he rides into town as the king of peace. He wants to come humbly. He chooses to walk humbly into his calling. Humility is first, humility and submission, and the willingness to serve throughout this. So today, as we step into this passage, I want you to keep that in mind. He's about five days away from dying. Nobody really knows it, even though he's said it three times so far. He's about five five days away from death, and he's trying to paint the picture very clearly over these next five days of what he's doing. So he's doing very important things. There's no kind of winging it happening. There's no, I didn't think through this happening. Everything is meaningful. So this passage is meaningful, but it's also very strange. It's a very strange passage. It's the only time in the Gospels that Jesus uses a miracle to destroy something. So it's the only time that happens. It's also the only time it appears that Jesus is upset because something isn't offering him something. So there's some confusion I want to walk through in it. But as you read this, read it knowing he's really close to leaving this planet for us. Okay. So if you'll pull up Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 19. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. Okay, on the following day, after all this happened last week, Jesus is hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Really interesting statement, right? It's not the season for figs. It's not going to find anything on it if it's not the season, right? So that's happening. Moving on. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his, his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Very, very like, vivid kind of, like, I want to do it in here, but I always feel like I'm trying to be, like, a trendy pastor if I do it. I'm like, I'm going to throw things, but I really want to break something to show when somebody's doing that, it paints a clear picture, right? If somebody were walking here and be like, you'd be like, whoa, calm, calm down. So this is not Jesus kind of things happening, and he's doing it in this temple. Okay, This is creating a huge diversion. So, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, is it not written that my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you've made it a den of robbers pretty bold. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared Jesus, because all of the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when the evening came, they went out to the city. Close your eyes with me, please. So Jesus, the Gospels are this presentation of who you are. It's not just a a bunch of things you did. It's trying to show us the kind of king that we are submitted to and desire to be with. So as we talk through this passage, Jesus, bring it to life. Don't let, don't let this just be words. But let this be active and living. Let us really see what you're trying to say here. What are you trying to say to people through this passage? You're trying to say something. Let us get it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know there's been a lot of times in my life where I've projected a false self, and I've tried to think through like the times when I've done that, and specifically, one of the times when I projected a false self was when I was coming out of seminary because I literally should not have been at seminary. I don't have a high school education. And so um, I, I made it through seminary. Honestly, there was probably some cheating involved in that. And by probably, I mean there was some cheating involved in that. Um, and so I don't have a high school education, but I have a college degree and I have a, a seminary degree. And so I get out of seminary, and I just freshly into Christianity and really stepping out of what I felt like the kind of meaning was, which was running away from these things, which of course were bad because God hates bad things, and running into things that were good because, of course, God loves good things, and I was going to be the happiest person that anyone knew, and I literally built this reputation in the city I was in from being someone in college that was known as a partier. I don't brag about that because, honestly, it, it just is what it is. That was who I was, and I was fine with it, and And then receiving what I felt like was Jesus and having some strong convictions that I really didn't want to die, and I really didn't want to do anything bad, and I really had these things, I really wanted Jesus, you know what I mean? So I I became the nicest person, like that That's not even a real version of me niceness, that my identity was based on how nice I was as a Christian. There was no depth in it. There was no identity in it. And so I formed this reputation in Cleveland, like Sarah started hearing about me. It worked for that. So at least, I mean, I know that. God's the Redeemer. It's all I had at the time, so at least that's what came out of it. So thank you, Jesus, for that. But I remember just being so exhausted by it, like showing up at church. I was at a church that I went three times a week. I taught a Sunday school class. I had no business teaching a Sunday school class. I I don't know what I was teaching, but it definitely wasn't straight from the Bible. It wasn't real good. It wasn't meat. It was very milky, Um, and just feeling like I always had to be something more than I really was. and I have a, had a history of drug addiction, I had a history of abuse, had a history of making terrible decisions, and so I didn't have a good identity. You, you know my testimony. So I remember for a period of about three or four years really putting a lot of energy, but not that I thought through it, just this is what you have to be. Like, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be happy and you're going to be joyful, and if you're sad or upset, you don't really need to show that. You need to bury that. And if you struggle with things still, which I did, you need to hide that, right? Still struggled through addiction. Um... Some that would be fun to talk about on a stage, some that would be embarrassing. And you would be like, oh. And so I just hid it. It It's just better to hide it, you know. And so I put on a face, and I wasn't trying to not be a good Christian. I wasn't trying to, like, cheat God. I just didn't know a better way to do it. Like, it was too hard. I was too broken inside. And so I put on a face, and it was exhausting. And I realized that when we put on other faces, it's for a reason. When we put on false selves or live out of a place that's not really us, it's because there's something happening underneath the surface that's unhealthy. And I've always kind of sensed that when I read passages like the one we just read, that I'm the tree that Jesus is mad at. Like Jesus, Whenever I've read this passage, I've always felt like I always put myself in that place. Jesus is going to curse something he's upset with. Of course it's going to be me because I'm evidently not pleasing to the Father. Evidently not. I've got... This brokenness. So I always put myself in this position of being the tree that he cursed. So if I was sinning or didn't understand, it's better to hide it than be called out to be destroyed by Jesus, right? Like, Jesus is my enemy. I literally thought that I was the enemy of Jesus for a long time. I didn't know that I was a prisoner and that Jesus was trying to free me. I didn't see that he was an ally trying to rescue me. I never saw that. And so you hide in that scenario. But if you're a prisoner, and he's promising to help free you, or if he's promising to help draw you out of things, it changes the conversation. It changes the conversation to know that he looks into my life, and if there are trees that are producing death, if there are trees that are religious that are destroying me, this is going to be one of those days. (laughs) It's it's been one of those days since I woke up this morning. I kicked over the family sign. Now there's going to be crowd participation. I'm done. I'm just telling you, crowd participation means the sermon is going to be awful. Like, it's funny for y'all, but I am done now. I have no idea. Speak, I'm speaking on Song of Solomon. What was that, where was that? <laughs> so I remember being in Scotland four or five months ago, and I was thinking about this passage, and I felt like the God said, and this is not directly from this passage, the tree in this passage represented the things that were trying to destroy us, and specifically the lies of the enemy, which that's what he uses. The enemy's creative. He doesn't use weapons to destroy us. He puts all of his power and might behind a lie. And then he he sends a lie to us. And if he can get you to believe that lie, then death is coming. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. And so so for me, when he looks into our lives, like this passage is about to share with us, he doesn't see you as the tree. Please look at me. You are not his enemy, right? Right? If you were, you wouldn't care about it. You wouldn't be here. I always wondered, how do I know if I'm really someone he's coming after? Because the Pharisees in this passage don't care. They want him to not succeed. Do you want that? Do I want that? No. I want him to do whatever he wants to do on this earth. If that is in your heart at least a little bit, you're one of these disciples that he's showing this is what it's like. This is what it's like to be a follower. So he does some crazy things. I want to pray again. Close your eyes. This is just imaginative prayer. So I want you to just invite Jesus into your mind and specifically paint a picture in this prayer of your whole world, your life. You. And invite Jesus to walk into this place where you are. What does he want to say to you? What does he want to do? Give him space for just a second. Invite him in. Lord, we want to be this temple that you prophesied about and that you prayed into in John 17. We want to be this place that produces so much fruit in our own lives and as a community. We know we can't do that without you. Honestly, Father, I'm a pastor, and I I rarely know how to do it for myself. We are so dependent on you looking into our rooms and the tables that we have and looking into our forests and the trees that are growing. We're so dependent on what you'll do in those scenarios. We're also so dependent on a loving Father that reclaims the identity that we have been robbed of through leadership in our lives and false understandings of you. We're so dependent on this new taste and see version of you that comes not to kill or destroy, but comes to not condemn the world, but to save it. The one that sits across from enemy and loves enemy. The one that sits with a Judas who's going to betray him and loves him. The one that says, when someone slaps you, turn your other cheek. The one that says to the Gentile, you are welcome at this table, even though these people hate you. The one that says to the poor person, come, follow me. The one that says to the rich person, calm down. We're so interested in this Jesus on a donkey that's humble. The one that wants to be our father. The one that curses the dead trees in our hearts and lives so that we can be alive. So we just, We just say we want you collectively, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read you verses 11 through 14 again. This is a baffling part. On the following day, when they came to Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it and found there was no leaves, for it was not the the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard it. The interesting thing about this is a lot of things. One, that Jesus would stop in his day and do this to a tree. I can't think of any scenario where I'm speaking like this to a tree, or that I've ever heard anyone speak to it. The only thing I can think of is like, when I'm upset, kicking something or, but he, disp- he walks over to this tree and he looks at it and he's speaking to a tree that's literally not supposed to have fruit on it yet. The closest thing that we can get in our commentaries about this is that sometimes these trees would provide a small fig that might sustain someone while they're traveling. Not tasty at all. This tree has nothing on it except for leaves. So it's from a distance that he sees the tree, Jesus being hungry, I'm gonna walk to that tree, it seems he's hoping there's food on it, or why is he doing it, right? Like, he walks over to it, sees nothing. There's nothing to eat on the tree. It is producing no fruit. He curses the tree, and you'll find out next Sunday when we preach that the, the tree is, dies. Like, the tree is dead. The word of Jesus, this is a whole other thing. When he speaks, it's different. Things happen. The same power that rose him from the dead lives in us, so that's a whole other story, too. But he speaks to this tree. this has got to be baffling for the disciples. What are you doing, right? But we know that it's, it's something much bigger that he's trying to say because he goes directly from there to the temple. Interesting thing about the temple is verse 11 we read you last week. It says that he went to the temple at the end of the day, and he looks around. You remember last week when I was like, he goes in the temple and he looks around? That's all he does. It's really similar to what he does with the tree, He walks over to the tree to look if there's any fruit. The night before he goes back to the temple, he goes to the temple. He looks around. Nobody's in there. Right? You Remember that? And then he walks out and he leaves. This tree from a distance looks like it has fruit and it doesn't. This temple from a distance looks like it has fruit, but it doesn't. This temple looks, I mean, it's busy. Right? It's like, it's busy. There's a lot of people who have provided jobs at this temple there's a lot of things happening at this temple. The particular part of the temple he's interested in is called the Court of the Gentiles. It's the very last of the courts. There's about four courts that headed right into the middle where only the priests can stay. It's the temple for the Gentiles, the temple for the women, the temple for the Jewish people. The temple for the Gentiles is the last one. They're not allowed past it. And if they tried to get past it, they would be killed. It's a beautiful, right? Like, I'm just going to sneak past this part. He's dead. Like, this is the temple, right? Like, what imagery that paints, right? Who do we allow into the inner sanctums of our churches, right? Because the Gentiles in this community were people who were considered less than the Jews. They were less than the Jews. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it is in America where there's kind of hidden things and people acting like there's not racism happening. It's not like that. It's like every Jewish person would have said every Gentile person was less than. It was just a common thing. But they had this place that they could meet at. And in this place, Jesus decides to show up in the temple. And imagine Jesus walking in, and he smells all the animals, and he hears the money changing, and he sees people using it as a cut-through. They're using it as a cut-through. Like, just sneak there It'd be like people walking through here right now, like, like my daughter did a little bit ago. Like It'd just be like people coming through. You All of you would be like, this is rude. Like, why are you just like tons of people as a shortcut, I'd be like, come on, guys, for reals, stop. This place to Jesus was supposed to be something very different, and he walks into the place, the sacred place, the only place for someone to connect with God at this time, and it is being used to rob people. How are they robbing people? They would bring sacrifices to this place, and they would have to show that their sacrifice was without blemish. But they had a crew of people that examined the sacrifices. And whenever they would show up, they would say, almost always, that sacrifice is not perfect. And you'd be like, it's, it's definitely perfect. I'm looking at it. Its name is perfect sacrifice. No, it's not perfect. And then they would charge them sometimes ten times the amount to pay for that. Sometimes close to about six months' worth of wage. So this is happening They're trying to bring in their sacrifice, which literally is their worship in this day. They would bring their worship in, wanting to be in the space created for prayer and a space created to be with Jesus. They would come in. Somebody would look at their sacrifice and say, that's not actually going to work. And I need you to pay me for the one that we're going to provide for you. We're actually going to tell you how you're going to worship and then make you pay for it. And then you still don't get to enjoy it because we're still going to be doing this in this space. And it's going to be loud and noisy. And Jesus is, yes. Yes. He is. That's not peaceful. These are not peaceful actions. So Jesus becomes aggressive. He becomes aggressive with a religious structure that would abuse people. That would make it about nationalism. It's for all nations and all people. Not just for the Jews. And he goes in and he starts turning things over. Jesus. Love it. Jesus cares about a space created for people to be with him. Deeply, especially if those people already don't feel valuable and already, already know that people don't care. Jesus cares when we treat others the way that these religious leaders are treating those people. Jesus cares so much that he has a passage about breaking things. Our peaceful Jesus, when others are abused in his name, he makes a stand. We should make a stand when others are abused in his name. We should be able to let him into our own hearts because we don't even realize it when we do it. We should give him space to come into our church. Literally, what if Jesus walks into this room or your living room? And this, again, you're not the tree he's, he's mad at, right? We more connect with the Gentiles and the Jews because we're just like them. We're grafted in. We are grafted in. We're not a part of that community. So we show up, and he's trying to say to us very specifically, I am doing everything I can to create a space for you to be with me. So a couple really important things, and I'm not going to speak too long because we're already going late. God cares what we produce. Fruit. What is fruit? Just real simply, like without getting into like all the thousand messages of her on fruit. Fruit is a very simple thing. It grows off a tree. It is then taken into. It's sustainable for someone else, correct? Just for you, cl- for clarity, fruit is not your gift that God has bestowed upon you to become awesome. Fruit is something that grows off a tree, doesn't even do it itself, and then is given, its whole existence is sacrificialness. Its whole existence is to sustain something else. It's very clear what he's looking for in verse 12. I, I saw a tree, I wanted fruit. He walked over to it, no fruit. He saw a temple, he wanted fruit. He walked over to it, no fruit. He wants fruit. He wants fruit. Fruit is what is supposed to come from us. What is fruit? Can you pull up Galatians? We all. See, I'm always scared to say this passage because it's the easiest one to remember, but I always forget it. So I always like, stop at like seven, and I'm like, you, you get the rest, but I just really forgot them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law or what's happening here. This is the law. This is a picture of the law against these things. This is what he's looking to come out of the trees that we are, the temples that we are. Can you go to the next passage? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There's a way to read that religiously. And to skip the whole portion about creating space to be with Jesus, that's not what this is saying. It's a different kind of fruit. It's a different kind of works. Can you go to the next one? Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling of the law. Can you go to the next one? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. Can you go to the next one? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: (laughs) this makes me want to weep. Um, To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. What is He asking us to produce? What is He saying when He looks at our temples? The mission of Jesus is very simple. He's coming to restore all things, including his people. And when he looks into our lives, he wants, you're poor, you're poor in spirit, you're away, you're the Gentile, you have no community, you have a longing to understand what's happening and the desires in your heart, he's trying to redeem it, he's trying to restore it, and he's coming after you to do it. So two things I want you to take from this passage. We have to produce fruit. And you can't do what I did and make yourself produce fruit. You can't make yourself happy. It just starts to get weird. If you're not really you, it just starts to get weird. I I don't think we need any more Christians who pretend to be something they're not. I think we need more people who would just be honest about what they're really struggling with and then not feel like they're gonna be attached to a cross because Jesus already did that. Our world needs to hear. We don't need to hide our people who are struggling. We need to be honest about our struggles. And come to the table like, I'm really actually dealing with this. This is really me. I feel like I have to be perfect right now. And I'm dying inside. I don't know how to do this. The world needs people who will take their masks off and find a Jesus who is trying to show them into restoration. And trying to clear a space for you in the temple. He wants to do that for you. So he wants us to produce fruit. And Then he wants us to know how he approaches us. Who are you in this passage? Really seriously think about this. I felt like forever I was the tree that Jesus was mad at. So whenever I hear these strong words, I'm always the tree dying. You're going to always feel like that. That's something I have to fight. Do you feel like you're the religious leaders, like the church should be this? I don't sense that in our community. I don't sense that many of you feel like all these other people are idiots and they should stay out. Do you feel like you're the disciples where you're watching Jesus walk around and you're just confused? What do you do in talking to trees, Jesus? You should not go into the temple like that. These guys already want to kill you and we know that for sure because it says, then they conspired on ways to kill him, right? Who do you relate to in this? Are you like Jesus? If you are, you're amazing. But I do know this, that he wants us to know how he approaches us. All of this is happening for a space to be created where you can be with him, uninhibited, unhindered, you and Jesus. So again, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Now Jesus walks into the same place. First thing I want to let you do is identify a tree that he needs to, he needs to destroy a tree that might feel sustainable to you, a tree that maybe is providing something for you that's not actually providing. Listen, this could be your job. This could be a relationship. This could be a mindset. This could be a thought about him that he is the God of the Pharisees who hates people and does things to harm people and only is interested in my money because pastors have said that a bunch. What trees would he look at that would be killing you and producing no fruit that within your heart, he would say, may no one ever eat from you again. In fact, I want you to picture him speaking to the tree in your heart, in your life right now, that is destroying, and him saying your name. Josh, may no one ever eat from the tree of success in your heart again. May no one ever eat from the tree of vanity in your heart again. May no one ever... Eat from the tree of worthlessness in your heart again. What lie is floating around in there that Jesus wants to look at and speak death to the lie? May no one ever eat from you again. So, Father, you want to create a space for all of us to be with you. Just continuing... Jesus takes your hand, and he leads you to a created space for you to be with him. He is your father. He speaks lovingly over you. He speaks dearly over you. My beloved, you belong to me. He speaks, son, daughter, your worth is settled He speaks to those things that are lying to you, and he says, die. But then he speaks to your heart, and he says, come alive. We thank you, Jesus, that we're going to be praying through what it looks like for you as we read through Mark to walk through the cross and walk through these things so that we could have what we have. If you'll all stand with me, please. If worship, if you guys will come up. Prayer teams, if you'll go ahead and come up. Father, we just present ourselves to you. This is a space, God. You have, it's hard to say this because I know we're all humans, but you have freedom in our church all the time to come in and look around. If there's things involved in here that are harming people, and I'm sure there probably is in some way, I pray that you would look into those things and destroy them and flip those tables over. But God, I just pray that we would have your heart, that this would be a house of prayer for all nations that this would be a house of prayer for brothers and sisters who live under different titles, who live in different countries, who are of different skin color, of different economic status, that we would know that that's what you meant for us. God, that this would be that church that you prayed about, that we would be the house of prayer for all nations, and that we would not be a place that robs people, But the people who need you most, the people who are poor, would receive from you, God. That this wouldn't just be a cut through for another thing in life, but this would be the place, God, where people meet with you. I know it's late, guys. I'm just going to speak over you guys. I don't typically do this, so forgive me even for prefacing that. But God is trying to restore intimacy in some of you, and some of you have become so good at being a part of a group like this or doing something or serving, volunteering at a church that you've, you've had a mask on, not because you're evil, but because you just don't know what to do. But underneath the surface, you don't understand intimacy with your father. You don't understand that that's what it's been about. You don't understand that he desires to be with you. And in that being with you, formation happens. He wants to restore intimacy with you. Some of you have been your own Pharisees in your own temple and you've busied your lives with things. And he's saying, calm down. Sit. Be still. Know that I am God. Some of you need to understand that he's creating space because it's more important than anything you're into right now. Literally, my prayer for you is that if you're a part of something that will provide you with millions and millions of dollars but he is not in it, that it would fail instantly and that you would be a rich man in the kingdom, a rich woman in the kingdom, and have a full life of vibrancy led by the Holy Spirit, helping people, loving people, that you would hand over all of these things that have been handed to you by the world, success, best things, that you would hand those over in the emptiness underneath it, and the facade that it is for the truth of the gospel, which is right with us always, always where we're at, never wanting us to be more in this world than we are, taking us deeper into his kingdom. Create a space right now just to be with him. If you need prayer at all, please let our prayer team pray for you. Father, as we go, I pray that we would go as your children knowing our worth is settled in you. And Jesus, if someone in here doesn't know their worth is settled in you, I pray that they would have the conversations, God. Help them come talk to me even if they need to. You've pursued them and you love them. And as we go, I pray that we would pursue and love others. Those in our lives that are marginalized, those in our families that are annoying, those around the table this Thursday that are hard to be around. Help us to exude the love of Christ, God, but help us to walk Being loved. Thank you for River City and thank you for every good gift, for it is from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Thank you.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitiesmyrna.com.